This gentleman I want to introduce to you, I've introduced him to you before. If you haven't got a chance to know him, I encourage you to get to know him, but I must brace you because uh, he is a character. So you've all heard him before preach, and uh, so he's going to bless us with his preaching again today. Jeremy Bass, brother, we look forward to the word of God today given through you. All right. Thank you, sir. I don't know if I've ever had a better introduction. Okay. <clears throat> Be careful of this guy, huh? That's a nice way to start. Well, as uh, Pastor Tom told you uh, at the beginning, Pastor Brent is not here today because he's in Argentina. And uh, about two weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, Pastor Brent came to me and he said, you know, Jeremy, can you... Uh, preach for me on this certain Sunday, and he told me a date, and it was wrong, and, he, and then uh, we got the date right, and we got that all figured out, and I said, yeah, I'd be glad to preach, except that I do have one small request. You're going to Argentina, right? And he's like, yeah. Argentina's the home of the llamas. And I said, you know, if you go to Argentina, please do this for me. If you happen to see a llama... Please take a picture of it, at least. If not, bring it back, but that's okay. But, uh, yeah, some of you may know, especially in the, in the teen group and stuff, that, that I have a thing for llamas. I just, I like llamas for some reason. And uh, let's throw that up there. Um, change is passing. All right, good. Um, apparently, the llama picture's not on there. Anyway, we had um, about, oh, Never mind. There's the llama. Yeah. That must be the next slide over there. <laughs> wow, this thing, technology is awesome. <laughs> I got to turn on my Bible. Hang on. All right, cool. <laughs> That's Cammy. That's a llama that came to us um, when I was pastoring in Auburn, California. <clears throat> and she came... Um, to be part of the uh, Christmas nativity, we had a uh, live nativity, a nativity program, or a Christmas program that we did. And so the, uh, Cammie is playing the role of a, of a camel here. And so she came when she was two weeks old. And she stayed with us for about two and a half years or so. And she brought her brother uh, Curly with her. With her, so uh, for a couple of years, I, I raised llamas, and it was awesome, and I missed them. And so that's why I asked Pastor Brent, you know, if you happen to see a llama, please take a picture of it uh, so I can just uh, remember um, the, the, the good times that we had with, with the llama. Uh, <clears throat> this morning, we're continuing on in our study on the book of Matthew. I, excuse me, Mark, excuse me, <laughs> book of Mark, Mark chapter 2. And for those of you who got the Friday focus... Pastor Brent started that off with a very, um, you know, smack-in-the-face kind of uh, sentence. Jesus was a troublemaker. And then I think he said, there, now I got your attention, didn't I? <laughs> but in Mark chapter 2, we see Jesus, as we might say today, poking the bear. We see Jesus um, saying some controversial things. We see Jesus trying to get a uh, reaction or trying to get a, a statement or trying to get um, <coughs> um, something from the Pharisees and those around him. 
So this morning, I want you to turn in your scriptures, if you could, to Mark chapter 2. We're going to begin with uh, verse 18. We're going to be reading through 21. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 21. Once you find that, if you could please stand with me as we read together. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 21 from the NIV says this. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but you are not? Jesus answered him and he said, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast when he is with them? They cannot, so long as he is with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day, they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth onto an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear even worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skin, and both the wine and the wineskins shall be ruined. No one pours uh, old or new wine, excuse me, new wine. No, I'm sorry, no. They pour new wine into new wineskins. Thank you. Please be seated. So, as we said at the very beginning, Jesus was a troublemaker. Jesus was poking the bear. And so, he's responding here to a question from the Pharisees. Why is it that over here, John's disciples, and over there, the Pharisees' disciples are fasting, but your disciples aren't? They're, they're, they're not obeying the rules. They're, they're doing something different. This is not what we agreed on. Something's going on. Well, let me uh, take a couple steps back and talk about fasting and such for a minute. Israel was called to corporate fast seven times a year. The most important being on the day of Yom Kippur or the day of atonement. So we've got a um, practice that's supposed to take place about seven times a year. The Pharisees have decided that they were going to add a bunch of things to the law and such. And so they said that we're supposed to fast on the second and the fourth day of the week. So I'm not a mathematician. Two plus two in my family equals five. I don't know how that happened. But anyway, um, but um, the uh, Pharisees are saying, what's going on here? Your disciples are over here on a Tuesday. They're supposed to be fasting, and they're not. Your disciples are over here on, a, I don't know what the fourth day of it is, uh, on a Thursday. They're supposed to be fasting, but they're not. What's going on? What, why, isn't, why, why is that so? Think about that for a second. In my uh, last church, or uh, two churches ago, actually, I had a, a sermon series I called Fast, or I'm Fasting. That's what it's called. I'm Fasting. And um, that uh, series was, was preached probably 15 or 20 years ago, and I still have people from my old church call me up on the phone and say, I'm fasting! And pretty much that voice, in that tone. As a matter of fact, 
around Christmas time, I had someone from our, our church who happens to be my daughter's father-in-law. I'm trying to figure that one out. Anyway, let, let, me, let me put it this way. It's easy to intimidate a child when they're 10 years old so that when they marry your daughter, they're still afraid of you, even though he's big and strong and a welder and such. And, but he still remembers when he was 10. And I could say, Trevor, go sit over there. And he would do it. Okay. Anyway, that being said, um, <clears throat> I'm fasting was kind of a catchphrase that we used throughout the church because fasting was a very personal or should be a very personal discipline. Jesus says, when you fast, do not be like the Pharisees who stand out in the street corners with trumpets declaring that they're, um, they're fast for surely they receive the reward in full. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He said, but when you fast, go or when you pray, go into your closet, shut the door, let no one listen, let no one be part of it. And this is between you and God. This is stuff that you work on with God. This is a personal discipline. And yet we have the Pharisees over here questioning Jesus. How come you're not fasting? I don't know about you. I've read the Bible. It says, and Jesus fasted for 40 days. That's a long fast. Anyway, I think he got it all done at once. And he's like, I'm done. Anyway, um, he, he, ah, it's a personal discipline. And when Jesus was talking about, or questioned about that, he had a very odd answer. How can you fast when the bridegroom is with you? You wait till the bridegroom's gone, then you fast. When the bridegroom's with you, it's time for a party. It's time for a celebration. It's time for a joy and dancing and, and whatever else goes on at a wedding. <coughs> I was only married once, so I, you know, it was joy and dancing. And actually, we didn't dance, we were Nazarene. It was joy and not dancing and, and stuff. And um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a time of celebration. But when the bridegroom leaves, then there will be a time for fasting. Then there will be a time for this. <clears throat> and this. <coughs> Jesus is talking to us about a very important element called change. And change is something that we all deal with, isn't it? We've talked about change, especially on January 1st. It's only, what, seven days removed from that? You know, we, we all stand there and, you know, 10, 9, 8. I don't know where the ball is, but someone's going to drop it. 9, 7, 6. Um, I think uh, Dick Clark's dropping it, but I'm not sure if he's still alive. Or anyway, um, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year. Everything changed. Not really, did it? How much did it change when that ball dropped at midnight on in, and it turned the, the clock turned to 2024? How much did things actually truly change? I don't know. What's the TikTok thing? You're supposed to eat grapes under the table at midnight or something to find, I don't know, huffalumps and woozles. I, I don't know why you're doing that, but you're, you do that for some reason, right? Um, or uh, you're, you're supposed to stand like this uh, at midnight. You start off on the right foot. I, I don't know how that goes. But how much do things really change? Not much. The next day was pretty much the next day. The day after that, pretty much. Now we're, what, seven days removed from that? How much do things really change? But yet, did things change often, too? At the same time as, as um, 
got ahead of my thoughts here. <laughs> um, change happens. Anyway, I'm going somewhere else. Change comes in seasons. It comes in waves. And sometimes there's a, there's a change that um, it just happens. And sometimes there's, there's a season. And, and sometimes we have... And I, I just, just, just happens, and, and I, I'm sorry, I'm befuzzled. Is that the word? Is that a good word? This is a point where a pastor usually has a good supporting scripture, and has you know makes a good point, and and puts things together, and and makes it like verbally stand out, and so you're like, oh, I remember that now, and, and I'm just new to this, or maybe I'm nervous or something. I don't know. I usually have a, a supporting scripture, but. So for everything, there's a change. No, for everything, there's a, there's a, there's a season. And, and all seasons have changes. Or all changes are seasons. That's not right. Because, you know, seasons can be like spices. Like, you know, you know, sage and rosemary and stuff. So, so change. Um, so, change can be... Season. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There is a season, turn, turn, turn. And, and a time for all under heaven. That's a good one. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, sir. Ecclesiastes, um. Three, Ecclesiastes three. I bet you we have it up here. I bet you the, the, the wizards back there in the tech booth could probably throw that up. There it is. <coughs> There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. You know, Pastor Tom, I didn't know you played a little guitar. Yeah, <laughs> a little guitar. Anyway, uh, yeah. <coughs> He told me on the other day, he's like, I'd like to be a musician, a mu- musician but I'm not very noteworthy. <clears throat> <clears throat> Do you have any more songs in there for us? Oh, awesome. What do those strings do? <laughs> oh, my. He's practiced all, all 20 minutes, haven't you? Awesome. <laughs> okay. I think we're good here. Thank you, sir. I think we're good. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Pastor Tom. (coughs) You should have seen his face when I asked him to do that. He's like, really? (laughs) You want me to do what? (laughs) No, seriously. Change comes in ways or it comes in seasons. And uh, we, we know the song there that he was singing from the birds for everything, turn, turn. Yeah, I can't say this passage without throwing the words turn, turn in them. But uh, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, isn't there? There's a time um, in which our, our children are small and then they grow up and then they grow up bigger and then they have their own children and things. Life just changes and such. And there's a time in, in our marriage where we're, we're newlyweds and then we're oldlyweds and then we're whatever. I don't know, but things change. And change should be something that, that should be embraced. But yet, it's hard at times, isn't it? That transition period. 
You know, when they all say, you know, the teenage years are the roughest parts. Well, why is that? Because that's a transition period in a person's life. In which we go from a small child, like that little one in the yellow right there. We go from needing everything and, every, and, and relying on everyone around us to trying to find that independence within us. Trying to do some things, but there are still some things you can't do on your own. I wouldn't let a teenager fly an airplane or something like that, because there's still some things you need help with. But yet every teenager thinks they can, right, Emma? Anyway, I'm that. <laughs> um, anyway, it's, it's one of those things. But there's a season and then there's a time and there's a place for change. And Jesus was that point, that transition point <clears throat> when he stepped into the world. And the Pharisees are going, whoa, wait, hold on a minute. What are you doing? This whole fasting business, it's supposed to be going on on Wednesdays and Thursdays, whatever it is. The second and fourth days of the week. <clears throat> what are you doing over here? Why are you not fasting? Why are you not following the rules? Because a change is in the wind. A change is happening. Something's going on. By doing that, by bucking the system, Jesus was kind of, they were looking at Jesus and going, are you saying you're better than us? Jesus is over here going, well, yeah. <laughs> and if you look, that's what got him crucified. What was his crimes? Crimes. What was his crimes? This man says he's the son of God. This man says he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. That's what got him in trouble. The next thing that we look at is that, that change is inevitable. It sneaks up on us all the time. It happens whether we allow it or will it or, or fight against it. But change is an inevitable platform, isn't it? Things change. Seasons change. Uh, uh, everything, there's a season. There, the, the seasons change. You know, <coughs> what is it? Tomorrow we're supposed to have snow apocalypse or something. But um, in, in a week from now, we'll, we'll forget about that. Four months from now, we're going to be complaining and whining about how hot it is. It's, it's Topeka. It's hot in Topeka. Um, and we're going we're gonna to throw those memes around Facebook and such, you know, uh, home for fosters, home for friends or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, and we're going to be complaining about how hot it is and how I wish winter would come and how it would be nice and cool outside. Change happens. Change is inevitable. It's going to sneak up on you whether you fight against it or you allow it to happen. And the reference Jesus talks about is, is change is, is, is on its way. Change is inevitable, but we need to deal with it in a proper way. He talks about two examples that I'll be honest with you. I don't know a thing about either of them. He talks about old wine or new wine, new wine and old wineskins. And he talks about a patching a, a garment with new cloth. <coughs> I don't know a thing about either of those. Those are illustrations that went across my head. I, I don't know about you, but the last time I walked through the liquor aisle, whatever aisle that is, in the grocery store, I never saw wine skins hanging from the wall or whatever. They were in some bottle-looking things. I, I don't know anything about it. I imagine the whole 
Napa Valley would look a whole lot different if they were throwing wine and wineskins and stuff. And <coughs> I don't know. I can tell you about the patching thing. I do know about that a little bit. Do you like my jacket? So I, this is a, you know, I, I threw on a jacket to make myself look kind of official and kind of, you know, professional. It's a new jacket. It's, a, it's either a Christmas or a birthday since they're like nine days apart. I can't tell the difference sometimes. Um, but uh, it's a new jacket, and, and I like it and stuff. It's really professional looking and makes me, you know, kind of look like Pastor Brent when I stand up here and, you know, I have my uh, casual shoes on and my nice jacket. So, um, but there, there's a problem with it. It had a hole in it. And so I tried to fix it. You can see that. Uh, I, I tried my best to fix it. And, um, and, and, and in, in trying to fix it, I looked at the scriptures. Because, you know, the Bible has the answer to everything. And it, and it said, thou shalt not take old garment stuff and put it on a new thing or whatever. Because you're going to mess this up thy jacket or, or something like that or, or something close. <coughs> so I, I fixed it with duct tape because, you know, that's, uh, that works for most things. And it didn't say anything in the scripture about don't use duct tape, so I figured I could use that. You know, if they can't find you handsome, at least they can find you handy. You know who said that, right? Red, green? Okay. All right. Anyway, so like I said, I don't know anything about these examples that Jesus gave. So I asked my daughter, because she knows everything, and I said, what's the deal with these, uh, these examples? And she's like, well, the, old, the, 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 the new cloth on the old thing, when you wash it, it's going to shrink, and it's going to pull apart, and it's going to rip the seams. <coughs> I'm like, okay. How about the wineskin? She's like, well, when you pour a new wine into an old wineskin, it ferments and it expands. And if it doesn't expand at the right ratio, it bursts or explodes like a balloon. I'm like, wow, where were you when I was in college? Oh, yeah, you weren't born. Anyway, um, you know everything, don't you? And then I got to thinking about it. And like, I can make up my own illustrations like that. That makes sense to me. And then I got to thinking about my life in third grade, Mrs. Van Osdale. And uh, Mrs. Van Osdale would have a math worksheet for us every week. And so you'd have to do these math problems, <coughs> you know, like four times three equals... Anyway, she had a math problem for us every week. And so you'd have to do these uh, worksheets, you'd have to do these numbers, and then you'd have the number 12, and then you'd find the number 12 on the dinosaur picture, and you'd color it red. It's a color by number. But you had to do the math problems to find out the number. So I'm not very good at math. And so my dinosaur didn't quite always look correct or right or proper. And so sometimes... I would color the dinosaur's eyes yellow and realize that, that, I don't know, four times two is actually eight and not nine. So now I need to go back and color it red. So when you mix the colors, the yellow and the red, the dinosaur's eye just looks angry or just wrong or just, just off. And so maybe the illustration can say, one cannot go back and put yellow over red on a dinosaur coloring page. Otherwise, it looks wrong. 
Would that be the same idea? One cannot, um, I don't know, um, nail an old board onto a new board because that would be bad. Let me exact, guys, I'm going to ask you to throw my email up there. Let me ask you this. If you can think of a good illustration, can you email it to me? There's my email up there. That's honestly and legitly my email. So if you can think of a good illustration, email that to me, because I would love to see some creative, um, I'd love to read some creative uh, illustrations here. Don't put old wine in new wineskins. Don't put um, old cloth on new garments or new, new cloth on old garments. Uh, don't nail uh, an old board on a new barn or, or something. I, I don't know. Throw that out for, to me so I can read them this week and, and just kind of um, laugh and just uh, think, yeah, that, that really is cool. Thank you so much. Change is inevitable. <clears throat> it's going to come across you whether you want it or not. But look, in Isaiah, he says this, Isaiah 43, 18. <clears throat> he says, look, I'm making a way in the wilderness, and I'm making streams in the wasteland. <clears throat> it's, uh, I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm making streams. And there we go. See, I'm doing a new thing. <clears throat> now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 18, or 19, excuse me. Even back then, Isaiah was saying, things are changing. Things are going to be new. Things are, are, are coming. Change is inevitable. The Messiah is going to step in. Not only is he going to split time in half, but he's going to take this law, <coughs> this understanding, and he's going to change it. He's going to make it new. Do you remember when Jesus was crucified? And the moment he, he, he gave up his spirit, he gave up his life. There was a giant earthquake, and in that earthquake, that veil in the Holy of Holies was separated, was split down the center, thus giving us, normal humans, just regular old people, access to the most holy of holies, access to God directly through Jesus Christ. It was, a, it was something that, that, that no one would have expected but yet God was planning for since the beginning of time. I don't know, five minutes ago, we were going through something called the story, right? We talked about the upper story and the lower story and such. And um, God's upper story, God was planning for that moment since the beginning of time. And he was making a way through Jesus Christ. And Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, stepped in and made those changes. Finally, my third point, because, you know, it's a sermon, so you have to have three points and a poem or a llama picture. I don't know. Anyway, my third point. No, maybe I should say in conclusion, because that means I have like 35 minutes left, right? All right. No, seriously. Um, <clears throat> we need to embrace change. Change is something to be embraced. Change is to be embraced. It's inevitable. It happens whether we want to or not. 
it's there. But instead of running from it, instead of being scared of it, instead of hiding from it, it's something we should embrace. It's something that we should long for. <coughs> change, change can be a good thing. Change can be productive. Change might require letting go of old traditions and, and, and habits and, and a mindset that, that, that no longer serves, it, serves its purpose any longer. Change might require a new way of thinking or a new way of looking at things. And if we can embrace that, that'd be an awesome thing. Do you remember when you first heard the gospel message and the Lord got a hold of your heart and made a change at the heart level. He, as the Christian circle says, he changed my heart. Well, what's that mean? Well, I still have a left ventricle and a whatever. My, my physical heart is the same, but he changed my attitude. He changed my mindset. He changed my priorities. He changed the way I see the world. He changed the way I see him, God made a change in my heart <coughs> and in my life and in those around. And this morning, in a certain place that I'm not going to say because I don't want to embarrass, you know, Emma or Faith, um, we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit. <coughs> Love, joy, peace, faithfulness, goodness, patience, self-control, all those good things, those wonderful things, right? Not the trash of the Spirit. That's something different. We were talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And Nicholas brought a great, great examples to us and talked about uh, bringing God's change into our hearts and into our lives. <clears throat> and when God gets a hold of us, he plants those fruits and he nurtures those fruits and he waters those fruits and that change is something to be embraced. I went from a mean, selfish Grinch to a nice, I, I don't know, what what the Grinch turn into? A nice Grinch, I don't know. Right? I think that's in the Bible somewhere, the, the, how the Grant stole Christmas. That's, that's in there somewhere. But you get the idea, right? When we start exhibiting kindness and, and, and love and joy and peace to those around us, that change not only ignites in our hearts, but it, it, it spreads. Has there ever been a time when someone's approached you and said, you know what, maybe they didn't say these words, but you know what, you have something different and I want to know what it is. You have something different or unique or I see something special about you. Or maybe it's a time of crisis or a time of decision or a time of um, <clears throat> a, a poor time, a bad time. And someone out of the blue comes to you and says, will you pray for me? And you're like, whoa, okay, I will. It's crazy, but yeah, I will. Thank you for asking or whatever it might be. Coworkers, um, um, students, um, those around you, uh, family, friends, people you may thought would never have given you the time of day come to you and say, hey, you know, something's going on or I want to know more about this or, or will you pray for me or what have you. <clears throat> that change is something to not only be embraced but something to strive for because in Christ we're different. In Christ we're new. In Christ we're changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. 
If any, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The new has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. In Christ, we're brand new. So, finally, this passage teaches a couple things. Look and see what season the life has you in now, and embrace that. Take care of that. Honor that. Be a part of that. Be present in that season. Don't look towards the, the, the left or the right, but embrace that. Because change is inevitable. It's going to happen. The seasons change. Things are going to be different. And then as long as we're willing to embrace those changes in a positive way, through the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through the help and the guidance of our, of our uh, family, friends, and church, God's got some wonderful things for us. He's got wonderful things planned for this church in 2024. And if you haven't seen them already, we're seven days in, and some wonderful things have been happening. Look forward to that. sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. My chains are good to me his word my hope secures he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures my chains are
amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. May God's amazing grace follow you this week. As you walk through and you see the change around you, know that you're not walking alone. You're walking with Him. Ephesians 6 says, Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. And may the God, the Father, and Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that that rings true for us all in 2024. And I pray that that rings true for us all here today. May the God of his amazing grace grant you grace as you walk with him. May the change that you see reap fruit that leads to the fruit of the spirit is found in Galatians. Love joy, peace, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. May those be the hallmark of our new year. Lord Jesus, thank you for the time that we had tonight or together. We ask your blessings upon us as we leave. May we be your ambassadors, tiny Christs, Christians in this world about us. In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Thank you so much. You are dismissed.